0: We are unseen artists and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And join us today as we dance our way into this brand new Broadway play, How to Dance in Ohio. It is about seven autistic children who are in a group autistic counseling setting and they are putting on a formal dance to further their social skills and relationships with people so they're not all children they're not all children but they are i think they're youths young adults
1: because the one has like a steady job
0: yeah and she's 22 in the documentary they're younger adults so it premiered december 10th of 2023 and we have found out today that it will be closing february 11th is that what it said
1: yeah today as we record they announced that they're closing which is a bummer but i also i'm not that surprised because you know we've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast of um the sort of like space that we're in on broadway right now and 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 how it it's very difficult for things to keep going and and everything is uh, at competition with everything else because so many things are opening new now in the time that we're in it's january and we're getting towards tony season so a lot of these new shows really want to open before like really want to open in in like march and april to be to be up for the for tony nomination so we do have a lot of new shows that are coming so i wouldn't be surprised if there's something that is like ready to hop in at the blasco Um, so i don't know if it's going to stay dark for that long but when i just saw it recently I know you saw it a little bit uh farther back but when I just saw it recently it was unfortunately very empty in the theater um and it is January which is kind of like one of my favorite times to be around New York City because there are a lot fewer tourists around and it tends to be a lot less crowded yeah it was it it was pretty quiet in there
0: yeah but also this was the second show on Broadway I saw this I saw two shows on Broadway this week and they were both really full so that yeah, is
1: that's true it and it does depend on the show and yeah and there's a lot of things i will we'll get into it but i think that there are probably a few reasons why yeah this show was a little bit uh quieter emptier yeah than some so, other ones that we've seen recently
0: it is indeed closing february 11th um so you'll have like a week to see it when this comes out week and a half something like that maybe two weeks And so do your best. It's at the Belasco. Check it out. Beautiful theater. Beautiful Beautiful theater. I think it's the theater I've seen the most shows in now because this is my fourth (laughs) day at the Belasco.
1: It is the show or it is the theater that, well, I guess I wouldn't say worked in the most because the Lena Horn Theater is the one that I worked in for the longest. It was definitely the most fun theater I think that I worked in was working at the Belasco. Every single person that I worked with at the Blasco is just is just a wonderful, wonderful person. I've I've I I didn't work with a single non a wonderful person uh, when I was working there. So that's really well. I would nice.
0: say two of the four tickets I got were comped, so that also helps me see more things there because <laughs> it was the theater across from the bar. Because Girl from North, you got us tickets too when you were working there. Oh, yep. And then I got tickets for How to Dance. Um, from from the bar, so mm-hmm. that was nice. Um, yeah. So it is the Belasco Beautiful Theater. It was the playwright is Rebecca Greer Melosick. I tried very hard to look up how to pronounce her name and could not find it. So I think I did it right. It's it's M E L O C I K Melosick or Melosick is what I would assume. She also wrote the lyrics for the show, so she's playwright and lyrics. She is she has another show called ringer that is that came out in 2015 but not to broadway just came out and had some like local runs and she is new york based but other than that she has not doesn't have a lot of other credits right now on broadway or in theater um however on her bio when you look her up it says she's interested in an apocalypses both global and personal and i just really liked that i thought that was nice so kudos um the music was done by jacob yandura who also did the music for her other show ringer so they just worked together i assume a little little Weber rice however they did that so those were the playwright lyrics and music and we did have producers that joined on for broadway and it was paula abdul and ludicrous so oh. what a team okay what a team which i'm also seeing i feel like more often lately i don't know if that's as normal as like that, you're seeing these hit musicians join on as producers, but like Alicia Keys is currently on as producer for um Hell's Kitchen, and I feel that's like I saw another one. Musical. Oh, it's her musical. Yeah. Okay, so she's not just like joined on as producer. Well, that's good. That makes more sense. Right. Um, someone else was in another one. I can't remember what it was, but.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of um a lot of that lately too and I don't know if it is um uh, if it is a new thing. Um my guess is not um that it's probably been something for a while and we just hadn't realized because we hadn't really been paying that close of attention. And I think yeah. that producers are starting to get a little bit more um notoriety is probably not the right word but like attention, I guess. Um, just in for, for, for some of these shows, it is becoming even more, I mean, it's always been expensive, but it's becoming more and more expensive to put on these shows. And so like we saw with Anomo that had, you know, 30 different producers or something just to get it going you know and so a lot of shows just it's taking more and more people and so we're seeing you know a lot more and um these very talented producers and things that they're realizing you know these musicians who are trying to to find places to invest their money are realizing that you know maybe broadway is is a way to do that and so um so I think there's probably two things that we're seeing. One, we weren't noticing it as much before, and two, we're probably seeing it on a little bit of a larger scale than we used to. This is all conjecture, of course, but um, that's what I think is yeah. probably happening.
0: Yeah, probably so. That all sounds right to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think of it?
1: I love just it. Thought last week. Uh yeah, la- yeah, last week, like a week ago. Yeah. Um a week and a week and a half ago. Yeah, no, I really loved it. Um, I had been really excited to see it because I heard, uh, really good things about it. I heard that it was, you know, the most accessible show on Broadway, all of these things. And, you know, we've been talking about from the beginning, um, wanting to see more representation. And what's really nice about this show is that not only are we seeing, uh, different abilities represented on a stage, but we're also seeing those abilities represented backstage, which has been a big issue uh, with a lot of shows uh, and with uh, uh, in a lot of places, is that even if we are seeing that representation within the the writing of a script or within the content, we're not necessarily seeing that within the cast. Um, and so seeing that here is is really nice. And the fact that they really, really address that is really beautiful. And so I didn't know that much about it other than the accessibility and um, uh, about uh, people with uh, differing abilities. And so um, I was really like ready and excited to see that. And so luckily my dad loves theater just like I do. Um, I probably love theater because my dad does, right? So uh, he raised me, but so that's what I did for uh, Christmas. For him as I got us tickets to go to see that and so we saw that about a week and a half ago because I knew that he wanted to see something new and different because we're seeing so many revivals you know and so it's always nice to see something new, and then I knew that you know I would be able to see it and um, I knew I, I knew that I wanted to. Support it. So I went to the box office and bought the tickets there. And so you know, not everybody is in New York City, and it's not always easy to do that. And when you're buying tickets online, it's it's not always the same. Even when you're trying to buy them like from the website, you know, yeah. a lot of these systems that they use to just to go on my little tangent about buying tickets. But um, a lot of the systems that they use, you know, they charge a lot, and they're trying to make the money back that they're spending on them, and and things like that. And so not only are you paying more for the ticket so that the theater you know isn't putting so much money out for for using them but also you're paying whatever fees that they're putting on there too and so a lot of times if you're in the area you can go and just walk in and get a much better deal sometimes even a better deal than you would get at like the tkts booth and things like that because you can get better seats a lot of times and um yeah so um i feel I feel proud that I was able to, you know, spend my money in a in a way that is going to to benefit directly to the production. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Uh yeah, I like I said, I got comp tickets to the show um because at the bar I used to work at, they gave them tickets because across the street. I honestly did not know anything about this show. I like I'm I'm the last to know what a show is about usually <laughs> so that's not surprising for anyone who knows me but um yeah my friend he got the tickets and he was like do you want to go I was like absolutely and he's I was like what is it about and he's like I don't really know I was like great I don't really know either let's see what happens and we get there and like you know I started seeing some of the accessibility stuff and being like okay okay and then like I opened up like the playbill and started looking through it and I was like oh this actually sounds like really cool like I I really <laughs> because I didn't know what it was about I thought it was gonna be like really lame and boring (laughs) just based off Uh, of the title and maybe that's maybe that's a misconception people are having but then when I realized like what the story was about um I was like oh wow this sounds incredible and then it was I was like hooked the whole time and like I also usually complain about things being too long um this didn't feel too long to me and it was still a long show and it still didn't feel that long um which was nice Um, so I also Sorry, while we're on the
1: topic, I wanted to shout out to their marketing people really quick because um, you obviously went with somebody and were given comp tickets and that's totally fine and awesome, but it's a very different experience than I went to the box office. And so ahead of time, you know, they had sent out emails preparing, but um, a lot of shows that you go and and I've bought tickets at the box office before. I try to do that when I can, when I have the funds that allow me to do that. I go and so I've gotten many pre show emails before that were like, Hey, you know, here's when the show is happening. This is the date and the time that you're coming. And cool, you know, there's no late seating and the house will probably open 30 minutes before and ta da. And they're usually pretty short and sweet, which is nice. You know, you you get a little reminder, it's great. I received for How to Dance in Ohio one of the most in depth and useful emails I have ever gotten from any show. Not wow. only did it say, you know, the accessibility resources that we'll go into in a little bit like specific to this show, but they told you where the restrooms were. They told you exactly where the theater was and how to get there from different areas um, where the concession, where like the bar and the uh, merch stands were It in the theater um, where uh, where all of the different like things were so that you would be able to find it and what time the house was going to open. And, you know, they gave this show a little bit of extra time. So that was kind of nice that they gave us, you know, the show will, you know, the house will open by, you know, X amount of time. And um, yeah, so it was, it was long and very detailed, but for people who, you know, want to have all of that information or feel better with all of that information, it was really, really helpful. And like, for me, I've seen a lot of shows in the space. I've worked in the space. Uh, I know where a lot of this stuff is, but if I had never been to this theater before, it was be incredibly helpful because it's telling me exactly where everything is. And maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running late. I'm coming from work. I'm trying, you know, I know I'm going to need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to want to get a drink. And all of these things are already laid out for me. I could make a plan for exactly what I wanted to do. Um, as soon as I got there. And so that was really nice. And even telling me, you know, where the accessible restroom is versus where the the other restrooms are and and things like that. And so that um, that was really, really nice. And so I think that that was a, an incredible job done by this production to do that. And so, so, yeah, I wanted to give that a shout out just really quick because, you know, no show really goes into that detail. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been told ahead of time where restrooms were in a
0: theater. Right. No, I don't I- think so. No, that's very cool. And like, that means like, because they're doing it, it's opening the door where hopefully other people will then be like, oh, we have to do that too, because they did it. And it was so well received. Like, I imagine, I don't know if you had like a follow-up question. Do you know what I'm trying to say?
1: What was nice about it is that for something like that, it's so simple Mm -hmm. because you can do it. And it can be done by the theater, it can be done by the production, but the theater can do it or one production can do it and the theater can hold on to it so that each production afterwards doesn't have yeah. to redo the same information. The restrooms aren't going to move, you right. know, the, the merch stand might move, but the bars aren't going to move. Like all of that kind of stuff is going to be mm-hmm. in the same spot. And so every show after that can can build off of the same template for that. And it just, and it helps everybody like who right. doesn't it benefit you don't have to look at it if you don't want to know or you don't need to know or whatever
0: yeah well I meant more like if they send a follow-up email after the show to like rate your experience and they leave like open for like comments yeah. and stuff and you know if people put on there like I've I've become better at doing those type of surveys than I yeah. used to be because a lot of the music conferences I go to are like please don't forget because you can never see this panel again if you don't (laughs) comment that you enjoyed this panel that was helpful and so I've become a lot more like aware of those things and so I always try to like follow through I just did one for the office the other day so like maybe if they send those follow-up emails that's nice because I know I see them sometimes but it's usually when the show's closing that I'm starting to see like they're like thanks for spending time at this theater like as the show's closing or whatever um so I don't know but yeah I mean it's like you said, it's so simple. And even the like they have the the rules of etiquette that they have in the playbills now, that wasn't in there when I first was seeing plays five years ago, six years ago. And um and now it's in every one of them because it's just one sheet of paper. Like it's so easy and so like helpful for everyone to do. And so and so it would be really nice if they, you know, use this for everything. Put that in your comments when you when you see a show next.
1: Well, and one of those things, too, is like, I mean, I feel like seeing shows pre-COVID was a little bit different of an experience now. And I think, unfortunately, the rules of etiquette are kind of necessary now because there's this thing that, like, I don't know what it was about having three months-ish and not even all states did it, but, like, in our area, like, and the people who, you know, would be regular Broadway goers, I guess, like, not tourists, but, like, people who live in the area, um, you know, we had, like, what, three months that we spent that we were kind of at home. We had a whole 18 months that theaters were closed, Uh, and so somewhere in that time of, you know, not really going out, and then, and then trying to learn how to do all that again, it's like people forgot how to be decent human beings. And I've seen just some really awful behavior, both as somebody who worked front of house doing COVID safety and as somebody just as a, as a patron going and just the the attitude and the, and the disrespect and the childish behavior that people have. And so um, I'm glad that we're addressing that and, and telling people what's acceptable because like, you shouldn't have to be told this, but I guess you do. And so here we go. Like, we're going to give you what you need to, to succeed because it's just so inappropriate so much that I've yeah. seen from people.
0: And they did, we did start seeing something, some, a little bit more. I think it was a uh, spam a lot that mentioned the the strobe lights in the email as well. Yeah. That we just saw. And uh, so they sent a, a lot of them are sending these pre-emails and, um, it had a lot more detail in that email that I've been seeing. Cause then I went to Hades Town. It was just like, great, can't wait to see you Like, <laughs> yeah. See ya on Tuesday. But like this one, it was nice. So it had the strobe lights for so for someone like like Noelle who has a seizure disorder, you know, it's nice to be able to prepare ahead and be able to know, like, I need to go ask, you know, the house manager what when this occurs. Yeah. uh,
1: Especially because I knew that I needed to get there early and I knew that mm -hmm. I needed to go talk to somebody because I needed to know ahead of time because it it has been common practice for a long time for them to put notices up in the theater, um, which is good. Um, I have a little bit of a mixed feeling about it because there's definitely, yes, I think be, overly prepared than being underprepared but i definitely have gone to many shows that have been like strobe light effect and they didn't even use strobe lights. Yeah, it's there like was a just flash. Some sort of like flashing light or whatever. And and we did address that a little bit when, you know, going to spam lot and talking to them and and them telling me exactly what the things were. And the ones that they said were not as big of an issue were more <laughs> strobe lights than the ones that were that they were like, "Oh, here's where all of the stuff happens." And it was like it was just flashing lights. And so um yeah. but yes, of course that that can also affect people. I get more triggered by rather than just like the casual flashing light um a flickering like fluorescent light is almost Mm -hmm. worse than any other kind of like because I was getting off the subway and one of the fluorescent lights like up above was like having a little flicker thing and I had to stop for a second and sort of turn my head because it like really startled me and I don't know if it's because I'm I'm a little bit on edge when anything like that just kind of happens because yeah. where would be the worst place to have a seizure and <laughs> like fall over would be right on a subway yeah. subway platform, like right to fall, right. right for the subway to come and hit me. It's interesting kind of what, what is triggering and what isn't and what is sort of like they make big choices for. Um, and this is like not really the, the place to discuss that because the show didn't really even have any of that but I my constant uh reaction anytime now that I go someplace and they're like oh we have strobe effects it's like can't you do something more interesting can't you do something more interesting so many people and it's not just me and but like so many people have uh sensitivities to something like that and so why can't you come up with something that's more interesting than that that creates a sort of effect. And it's like, sometimes people think about that and sometimes people don't. I did a production when we did, speaking of per, you know, episodes that we did recently, when we did Jesus Christ Superstar on opening night, they had the uh, music director coming behind and just talking to everybody real quick, because they're like, oh, we have to make sure to check with everybody. Hey, everybody's fine with flashing li- lights, right? Nobody has a seizure disorder. And I was like, yes, I do. And they're like, oh, you need to go talk to the light person. And it ended up not being an issue. It wasn't strobe lights. It was just some, you know, casual, slowly flashing lights. It wasn't even yeah. like fast flashing. And so it ended up being okay. But it's one of those things where it was like, so everyone's like, oh, that's fine. Right. It's fine. And it's like, no, if it's actually an issue, it's not fine. Right. I mean, we need to decide this before right now i was like right. is this really the moment that this is happening i'm trying to get ready for the show and it's like oh just, you know you, you might, might have a, have seizure, a seizure today <laughs> you know yeah in in this show that you've been working on for the past two months or you know six weeks or whatever it was that we were doing but it was still like yeah so um anyway that's the tangent that has nothing to do with how yeah. Dance in ohio but is the fact that they are so um, forthcoming mm-hmm. ahead of time about all of the things that are happening I think that that is becoming a more common thing and I think that is a good thing yeah um, because yeah there's a lot of stuff that you just don't, you don't know ahead of time and even like for shows like POTUS where it was like we had signs in the theater that were like you know recommended for ages 16 and up or something like that and there's other shows that have done things like that but it's like do they put that in the email ahead of time is that on the website is it on you know there's a lot of stuff that people could put into a situation that they might not want to be into in because they don't have the information that they need to make that decision
0: yeah so kudos to how to dance in ohio for doing that and hopefully it will be a more routine event so something else that should become more routine this is the first broadway musical to cast autistic actors in autistic roles which is one it's taken a minute if since this is the first one but it's also really great that they did all seven um characters were played by autistic actors so i think that that is something that is hopefully going to open a lot of doors now and show that like Oh, like just because you have autism doesn't mean you can't do this, and it will hopefully open up um a doors for a differently abled people. I couldn't get the word of I was trying to say. Yeah. So what? What? What are some thoughts you have about that? Uh, I
1: mean, I uh, I have so many. <laughs> One, the fact that we're at this, the first show that's doing this, it's like. That, that I am thinking of two different sort of thoughts on that. One, you're right, we haven't seen that before, and so it's nice that we're that we're finally getting there. But two, you know, we're not we don't see a lot of representation of that just in general. Um, but you know that is a huge thing when we do see some of these shows uh, um about people who are have differing abilities. There is this idea that, especially if these characters overcome their, I don't want to use the term disability lightly, right. but that, that overcome some sort of challenge with their alternate ability that they, well, it can only be done by somebody who doesn't have that because somebody who has to deal with that on a regular basis won't be able to do it or they won't be able to do the schedule or they won't be able to keep up with um you know the rehearsals and things like that and for uh, on that note about yeah there are a lot of things that keep people who have a, have disabilities or or differing abilities that keep them out of the traditional rehearsal space because it really is It's really backbreaking for able-bodied people, people who are very healthy and have no issues dealing with anything in their life, have a lot of trauma in their body from a, you know, typical Broadway rehearsal schedule. The days are long it's a lot of uh, especially for a musical it's a lot on your body your voice your everything and so and then when you get to performing it on stage it's a lot for your skin you know all that makeup uh, all, all of that um i've seen like with six they did the like headsets or whatever so they could hear what was happening and, but and they went in their ears well those things would like give them rashes a lot of times we had people that were out of the show because they would have some kind of injury or something that would happen related to those in those in ears and so there's like all of these things that happen with putting on the show that you know you might not have to deal with regularly that even able-bodied people have a lot of trouble with and so there's just this idea that like other people who are other abled can't handle it. And I think that that says something about what we're doing is if our automatic response is that anyone with any type of other ability can't handle what we're doing, then maybe we're doing something wrong. And right. I already think that the way that we treat actors is already, uh, it, it's too much. We put a lot of trauma um, into our actors to perform for us. And eight shows a week is a lot. And, you know, th- there's a whole, there's a whole lot of things to go in on that. But there is also this like very ableist idea that only people who, you know, are just like us have the same abilities that we have can understand things the same way that we do are able to, 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 to do what we need them to do and that's just simply not true i think that we have too much as a society we have too much of this idea that if people don't think do things the way that we do them then they're wrong or they're weird yeah or they're you know like it's just it it is unfortunate um, that we have these ideas. And so it's nice to finally see something that is like really sticks that out and really shows, because really, if, if you break it down and it's like, I get that acting is acting and, you know, we've talked about this before too, but if you don't understand that experience, how are you going to do it justice? Right. You know, versus you're just mimicking something or trying to do what you think it is but you don't have a deeper understanding of it and even someone like me you know I have a cousin that's autistic but I don't think I would be able to play an autistic character with the same authenticity that somebody who is autistic would be able to play that character and don't get me wrong there are different you know we see I think we see a lot of fairy we as able-bodied people look at them and say that they're and see that they're different and that they do things differently and they think about things differently. We see that, but there's, they're all, um, all of the characters that we see represented in the show are very, um, high functioning for lack of a, of a better term to explain, um, which used to be the common, you know, term that they used. And I'm glad that we've kind of gotten away from that, but it's sort of like they're people who need assistance, but they can still last in, you know, a regular classroom with other students and can, and can get along. And so a lot of the, the issues are social in nature. Yeah. And I'm glad that we're showing like how intelligent people who have social handicaps can be because I think that we have this idea when we look at people who don't interact and communicate the same way that we do as being not as intelligent as we are. And that is so not true. It's actually
0: very often the opposite. We've had so many and uh, so, misconceptions due to right. Hollywood standards. And other portrayals and you know i think this this leans to your comment of you know able-bodied people sometimes have a hard time doing these like these parts because they don't understand the experience and i feel like we've seen that come come through in so many different things and it's also what has set these standards for us in our minds and like um i i don't have as much experience so i don't you know i wouldn't know personally but from my understanding of my my best friend works with autistic people a lot and stuff and so like from my understanding they do usually they usually are more intelligent and it's just a social thing not a knowledge thing for the most part
1: well and so like the one character i think it's Meredith who likes all the facts mm-hmm. she's sort of the one that reminds me of my cousin a little bit and so the way that she socially interacts is is similar in that you know, she wants to go back to something that is comfortable for her, right? And so what she would do when she was little is she would sort of like spit back when you would talk to her or try to have a conversation with her, she would spit back um, quotes from television shows that she really enjoyed and things like that. And sometimes, and and it's really interesting if you really listen to her because they would relate back to what you're talking about Maybe not as directly, but she understood what you're saying, you know, and you're thinking because she's not giving you a direct answer that maybe she doesn't understand, right? That's something that somebody could be thinking, but you can clearly see if you're listening that she's listening, she just doesn't have it, it it's challenging for her to come up with her own words for those things and so she finds the closest thing that she can in something that makes her comfortable and so a lot of times it's something you know and they're very they tend to be people on the spectrum tend to be very um artistic or scientific or there's something that they really, really lean towards art and end up being savants in that category. so That they're so, so smart, really, really high IQ in, um, almost genius level in some specific uh, topic. And so it's really interesting that we sort of see that in this show, too, which I always found really interesting that, you know, it tends to be people with really high IQs tend to have lower social skills. And so, if you think about it, this idea that we have with people um, needing to have like high, high social skills—the likelihood that all these people who are like really, really good socially are really intelligent is like actually the opposite. Not to tell people mm-hmm. who are like really outgoing that you're stupid, but <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> that's not what I mean. But it's like the same—you know—you only have so much bandwidth, right? For right. Everything and. So, um, it's just sort of interesting if you think about it um conceptually, uh, or at least I find it interesting.
0: no, absolutely. Not only looking at how, you know, these actors and stuff would need to be for the show and like how they need, you know, different instances, maybe different breaks or different something else. like, um, the theater itself also tries to be prepared for people with sensory issues when they're coming to the theater, which I found really, well, cool. that was the first thing I noticed when I walked in. And I was like, this is a genius idea. They have cool down boots and they're inside the theater. And so if you need to step away, then you can, you know, someone can go to the cool down booth, take a break and then go back to their seat. And they're not really, you know, interrupting the show. They're not interrupting anyone else, but it helps them kind of like deal with whatever. They're, you know, whatever sensory thing they're they're having right then. Um, I've never seen that in another theater. Um, I'm hoping it becomes a little more common. Again, another thing that I'm hoping becomes more common because of this show. Have you seen any type well, of other, and like,
1: sensory things?
0: Or no, so um that's what's really interesting,
1: is that I haven't seen it before, but when I was doing um research for my thesis right and talking about um accessibility in theater and diversity in theater one of the things that I asked you know within these theater groups that I'm in is like when you think of accessibility in theater what does that mean to you and what what do you see and I was like I want all perspectives I want you know if you're a crew member if you're an actor if you're a director if you're an audience member if you know if all you do is go and see shows like what is it and so there were definitely things that you know I relate to where it was like stop do you know stop choosing strobe lights because you can't think of anything else to do like stop doing things that that affect such a great number of people um but also things like yeah like what about spaces where or like sensory friendly performances where gut you know we've talked about this in other episodes like gunshots would be muted um or like the sounds wouldn't be and like i don't even really get affected by you know loud sounds um, and bright lights the same way that some people do but I've been affected in some shows where I'm like oh my god everything is so light and right in my face and so everything is so loud like I feel like I can't get away from it and so I have heard before people mention things like this of like having sensory friendly performances or having you know spaces where you can go that those things will be like muted out the same way that they have, um, you know, special seating when there's an ASL performance of a show or, you know, that are closer to, you know, uh, captioning for a performance and things like that. And so it's kind of cool because I've, I've heard these things before from other people, but I had never seen them in practice. And so this was like the most interesting thing to me because I'm finally seeing something that i've heard from that people have requested before and it's been something that i've that i've actively thought about because i had thought you know if unseen artists ever had a theater space you know what would we be able to do with it and what would we be able to do to make things more comfortable for people and you can never please everyone you know not not everything is always going to be for everyone but being able to have different performances that can cater specifically to different people, you know, that makes a difference. And so I think that they are really starting, they're really doing something important here with what they're trying to do and what they're playing with. And I think that um, they're also showing how easy it can be implemented. Right. Um, There are definitely some challenges, you know, I don't know if I'm sure everyone has experienced, you know, being at a show and people come in late or people, you know, get up to go to the bathroom and they don't want to, you know, wait in the line. So they leave, you know, before act one is over or whatever. And it can get kind of annoying people, you know, especially people who sit in the middle and they're, you know, climbing over people and making everybody right. stand up and, you know, so yeah, there are definitely things to think about in that, you know, that process too and, and not disrupting, you know, everyone around you uh, for that. It's the same thing why we don't like people texting or talking on the phone right. and things like that. You know, there's all of these things that can interrupt people, but um, I think we're well on our way to something that can be really beneficial for a lot of people
0: yeah and we were looking at theaters the other day just trying to see like what shows were where and there's a theater out on Long Island that does have sensory performances for it looks like every show they're doing I only looked for six months so you know within that six month time frame though every show that they had they had like at least one sensory performance a week which is very cool and you know and they're also like an education theater so maybe that was why they like are yeah. thinking it through more it's a little um newer maybe I don't know But uh, so I thought I found that really nice. And I'm interested to see what that looks like. Like what exactly they do to make it a sensory performance. Like, is it cool down boots? Is it, you know, more, more lighting? Is it, you know, quieter sounds like less light? Yeah. I don't currently have an issue with sounds, but until I was a teenager, I did. Like I couldn't go anywhere that had loud sounds. If I was watching fireworks, I had to watch them from inside because I couldn't like it just didn't it didn't work for me and so I'm familiar with that even though I did outgrow it and so it's definitely something that's important for you know for people because it's real life
1: (laughs) well and there are some things that I see and sometimes I'm like it doesn't necessarily bother me in the way that it might bother other people but I look at things and I'm like this doesn't need to be this loud this doesn't need to be this bright and so I would 100% go to a sensory performance just to see and I don't think I think in a lot of instances it wouldn't take away from what you're getting from the story that you that I think the argument would be that it would take away from it and I don't think that it would especially if you're making the right choices with what you're doing yeah if you're
0: doing captioning include you know which we've talked about before including captioning and lighting yeah. and whatnot like there there are tons of ways to do it that like you're saying don't take away from it and like, and like everything you just mentioned if they lower the sound if they you know dim the lights a bit as close to like cut them off and all these things I don't think any of that would affect my viewing performance like me viewing it right I think I would still be totally fine but then all these people that would you know would have to deal with some of those issues would also be fine and so that would be be a nice way to go, yeah. This also so, how to dance in Ohio came about because it was based off of a documentary film from HBO um, that came out in 2015. So, this so the musical is based around seven young adults, whereas they do have a big group in this autism group that they're in, but it really focuses on the three girls of Meredith, um, Jessica, and Caroline. So, we do see a little bit of different like levels, I guess, in the musical, but they're all like you mentioned high functioning, which I believe is level one now, um, ASD, and you do see a little more difference come up in the documentary. It's still, you know, not level one to level three, but maybe level one to level two, you could see it. Um, it is, It is. Yeah. I thought it was very well done. I've not seen a lot of autism documentaries, so maybe ask someone who has, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it did a really good job of displaying like how they, how they work with them and they like Jessica has a full-time job at a bakery and she, you know, has interactions with her boss where her boss sits down and talks to her about things, and it shows her interactions with her coworkers. And then it shows her interactions with her autism group and um, Jessica, who's her best friend, who's also in the group. And so I thought it was um really good. It's only an hour and a half. Go, go check it out on HBO Max or whatever they're calling it now. But yeah, I think they did it a do a really it is- good
1: job of showing in the musical those some of those interactions and how people interact um with other people and in the working space and things like that and dealing with people who don't know how to deal with people who don't interact or communicate the way that they do
0: yeah and it did a really good job of translating some of the like scenes into the musical like it talks about when Jessica has like butterflies and then there's a whole song called butterflies in the musical and so that was that was kind of fun to see too but all three of their parents are in it and stuff like that so it's just it's really cool and I like the way it translate so do you have any last minute thoughts before we get to our interview with our special guest Yeah, I just think that
1: it's really nice to see something a little bit different than we normally see. Um, And to see that, to see some interactions and what's really nice is that I feel like we see so much when we see anything about somebody with differing abilities or with disabilities, it's about the people around that person who have to cater or change anything that they're doing to that person it's always about the able-bodied people that we tend to see and so it was really nice to see something from differing perspectives and i really want to say that i'm glad that they addressed and squashed the idea that people with autism are suffering from autism Because we've definitely seen from, and I have some autistic friends, I have my cousin, you know, things like that. And it's not about suffering. The only suffering is the dealing with able-bodied people who have no concept that anybody can think of anything and feel anything differently from them. And so it's very nice to finally see a little bit of a celebration of people with differing abilities. And I think that they use some great humor. Uh, What they did well is showing the parallels between some of these people, like the doctor and his daughter, who are, you know, regular able-bodied people and how they are dealing with a lot of the same issues even socially or you know with um, their passions and uh, their passion projects and things like that like the one girl with dance and how it parallels you know what a lot of these autistic people are also dealing with and so it's like I think that there's this idea that a lot of people have in our society of like an us versus them or not even an us versus them but like we have this over here and they have this over here um and that they're so different yeah. and so it was really nice to see that like yes we all deal with the same issues and like even just like oh okay so they have some social issues so it makes it really difficult of like asking somebody to dance well how how easy is it for anyone to ask somebody that they like to dance, you right. know, things like that. One of the things my dad said is that he was like, it really took me back to like those middle school and high school dances that I went to and like, you know, nervously trying to ask the person that you like to go with you or to dance with you or to do any of those things. And, um, and so we're seeing, you know, they have the same struggles. It's all the same. We think that it's so different, but it's really all the same um we deal with the same things and so that was uh i think something that was really really nice to see yeah that they did a really really good job of in in showing
0: they did that's why uh, i i I feel like it's it's so important for everyone to see it like i know it's closing but you
1: know and well i will say since uh we did see that it's closing Hopefully that means that it'll go on tour soon because we've been seeing that a lot with things. So hopefully they'll announce a tour. And then if it does go on tour, please go see it. It's so good. And please, even if you don't, you know, if it doesn't sound like it's something that's right up your alley, uh, it's, I think that it's really, really important to support things that are different than the status quo so if you have the opportunity to go and jump on and see it please do um to give it that support even if it's you know not quite your cup of tea but also if you know that that doesn't get announced or if you can't wait until then there is that documentary that you can watch that it's based off of and i think it was yes or that they announced that they dropped um the soundtrack for yep. the original Broadway cast album so you can go download the original Broadway cast album this is not an ad um, <laughs> and the music is really fun it's i definitely think that it works in its space and so i like being able to you know listen to it and and watch it in the context of the show but i think that there's some really fun pieces that you can listen to on your own and and you can definitely bop along um, and learn some of these songs and so yeah if you want to listen before you get the opportunity to see it then definitely do that
0: yeah and it um it is very very new the first performance was September 2022 at Syracuse stage um it's been in works longer it was actually supposed to be directed by Harold Prince um before he passed away and he was dramaturg on like the first few drafts of it so he was Semi-involved. If you need a famous connection for any reason, um, yeah, <laughs> Hal Prince, hello, yeah. So definitely, definitely go and see it. But now we have a special surprise for you all. Um, as I mentioned, special guest, my best friend, Dr. Rachel Knight, is going to come on, and she has been working with autistic kids for a while. I don't know how many years now, but a few years. So she's going to give us some of her thoughts on how autism is can be handled in theater and some things she's learned over the years. So here we go. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining me today. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your experience working with autism?
2: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Rachel Knight. I have a doctorate of clinical psychology and I have been working with individuals with autism across the age range for probably about five years now. I really enjoy working with people who have autism and other neurodevelopmental disorders. So for those of you who may not know, autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder, which means it is present across the lifetime. People who have autism typically struggle with things like socialization, communication, restrictive interest, restrictive or repetitive behaviors, and oftentimes sensory difficulties, sensory sensitivities, which is something that would probably be a really big challenge for someone with autism who is trying to be successful in theater. Because as we know, there's a lot of sensory input in the theater environment. And for individuals on the autism spectrum, that could be really overwhelming if they don't have the tools at hand to be able to handle that.
0: Yeah. And so we know that some theaters have spent time trying to kind of like make some accommodations for example noelle and i just went to the show how to dance in ohio which as we mentioned earlier in the episode is the first show to actually cast autistic people in autistic roles and then i know that it was based off of the documentary on hbo and then both you and i watched that one so what were your thoughts about the documentary as a whole and how it was done and portrayed
2: um i loved the documentary i loved seeing What felt like a really real life portrayal of difficulties that people experience with autism, you know, those social skills groups that they're a part of in the documentary are something that are extremely helpful to individuals who are on the spectrum. I really liked how uh, throughout the documentary, they were able to show the difficulties that people were having without coming across as if they were making fun of the difficulties, which is kind of historically what I've seen in Hollywood so I think it's really awesome that they were able to create a documentary that was realistic and allowed us to see difficulties without it coming across as negative. It felt like those people were um, the doctors and individuals working with them were very caring and working to help those people meet the goals they had set for themselves And I really enjoyed that portrayal of autism and also that portrayal of mental health.
0: Yeah, I think they did do a really good job of it. And they did it very similarly in the musical version as well, as they made sure that it was respectful. And one thing that they did a little bit different in the musical that wasn't in the documentary, at the very end, the doctor who's put on this big production, this big dance for them, is interviewed in the newspapers, is interviewed on the radios, and then they have to come through it and he's like this isn't about me like they make a point to like call him out as like a hero and do all this stuff and he's like this isn't about me and this is where a lot of the focus goes wrong and I thought that that was really cool and I mean they didn't do that in the documentary but I don't they didn't need to but it also was cool that they kind of called that out in the musical as well to make sure that people you know actually saw it for what it was and they were like it's not I'm not a hero because these people are just people. It's not like I've saved them from anything, you know? So
2: those social skills groups are really about helping people get the tools that they need to be able to be successful in their environments. So it's not about us as healthcare providers. It's Mm -hmm. about helping the individual be able to succeed and whatever that looks like for them.
0: It was very cool. Um, It is leaving Broadway in two weeks. So you probably won't get a chance to see it, but hopefully it'll come on tour and you may can catch it down at your theater. Because it I would love catches that. a lot of the national tours, I'll keep an eye on it for you. So one thing with looking at autism and theater, um, as you mentioned, there are sensory overloads and there are different things to like keep in mind when like people with autism may have difficulties with whether going to theater or being in theater. What are some things that you think could help accommodate like actors who are autistic who want to be in like a Broadway production?
2: Yeah. So um, I. I do a lot of work trying to help people find accommodations to be successful so I think that things like having a place away from that sensory overload that they may be experiencing so having a quiet space could be something that would help maybe during the production or on rehearsal days. I also recommend doing things in smaller groups when possible because larger groups and more people to interact with can be really overwhelming for people who are on the spectrum. So maybe things like smaller rehearsals um, or smaller teams when just working on building a production.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. And that's one thing that's good to point out because a lot of these productions have they have rooms for people like green rooms and stuff, but usually there's two actors to a room or Maybe, I don't know if there's more than that, because I haven't seen a lot of the back end on it. That would be a Noel question. But I do know that a lot of actors is two to a room. And so maybe being more mindful of making sure that like, you just have one to a room and you have that space to go to where you have that full escape would be um, a really good point. And again, I don't know what the different theaters have availability for. But if it's a small cast, again, if you're doing things in small groups, it doesn't matter as much because you don't have to find as many places for as many people.
2: You may also, you know, if the space doesn't allow for a private room, things like noise canceling headphones can be extremely helpful and help people make things more accessible for themselves. And also having like a fidget toy or just having a private space for stimming behaviors or stimming sounds that are a way that people who are on the spectrum oftentimes help regulate themselves. And so just having a space that they could do that off stage may also be really helpful.
0: Can you explain a bit about what stimming behaviors and sounds are?
2: So stimming behaviors are things that people do to self-stimulate, which helps them to kind of bring down and regulate their systems. So for some people, we see that in things like bouncing or flapping their hands, or maybe just walking and pacing back and forth. For others, those may be a certain pattern of humming, singing certain phrases of songs, just something that they find comforting and helps them regulate themselves. And I think that that's something that people who are in theater, if they have gotten to the point where they're able to be in a theater environment, they probably are able to label a lot of those things for themselves. And so for each production, maybe just asking like, hey, what would be helpful for you? And checking in to see what you can provide. Every accommodation may not be available in every place, but if you can provide a couple of things that may make them more comfortable and then allow for more success.
0: Well, that, and that feels like very minimal to do. Like it doesn't feel like it takes a lot out of theaters to provide noise canceling headphones, some kind of fidget toy or a space to go to, even if it's, you know, not necessarily their own dressing room, but just a space to be in. So that is, that would all be very helpful. So is there any type of like timeframe that would be good? I know with theater unions and stuff, a lot of them do have set, you know, timeframes of, I don't know exactly what they are. And I think they change, but like you work four hours, you get a 15 minute break, you work four hours. Like, is there any type of certain time frame that works best? Like is 15 minutes fine?
2: So I think that's gonna be really dependent on the individual more so than something that I could say for people across the spectrum. But again, touching base with those people, checking in to see what their needs are. Do they are they able to go throughout the whole day? Do they need a five minute, a 20 minute kind of break in between? You know, I was also thinking theater is something that can be really demanding on a person, you know, a person of any ability level, but especially people who are going to have more difficulties in that setting. So perhaps even having more than one person for the role so that they maybe aren't having to do a show every day, or even for some things, maybe more than one show in a day, but would also still allow them to be able to participate in Broadway.
0: Yeah. And a lot of like theaters will do like swing positions and stuff, but again maybe just one swing's not enough and like we saw specifically during COVID, the stage production of six they ended up starting shipping people in from dc and from the tour because they just ran out of people and so maybe just having more kind of well, on staff in general anyways would be easier for everyone regardless so some things we're looking at is what about like not being in the show but going to the production so at how to dance in ohio This is the first time I saw it. We've already talked about it a little bit on the show, but they have these cool down spaces and they basically look like photo booths that you can go into in the middle of the show. You don't have to wait till like intermission or anything and you can just sit in there and it's quiet so that if you, you know, do have a sensory overload or if you do need like space or if you need to get away, obviously that's, that can be used for anyone, but it would also be helpful for autistic people. Is there anything else like for someone going to a show that might be more helpful?
2: So I think for someone going to a show, that ability to have a sensory cool down would be probably my, my first recommendation. Also, I don't know, I don't go to theaters enough to know what kind of things you're allowed to bring in, but some headphones or earplugs may be really Mm -hmm. helpful because oftentimes theaters are very loud and not that the person would want them to be completely noise canceling, but to just kind of dampen that level of noise coming at them could allow them to enjoy the show better rather than feeling overloaded.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. And they, it would be nice that maybe even if theaters like kind of had those on hand because they do have different things for like closed captioning for people Mm -hmm. with like, like hard of hearing and that's not in every theater and it's starting to become more rampant in theaters as well. So maybe just having some like noise canceling or, you know, even just regular earplugs or something on hand for people, if they need it would be good. And again, easy enough.
2: Mm -hmm. I would think that the earplugs would be something that would be easy for the theaters to provide. In my experience, most people who use headphones often have their particular headphones that they really enjoy and that that's also sort of like a comfort item for them but I think that you know earplugs would be something really easy and realistic for theaters to be able to implement
0: yeah um you are allowed to bring your own headphones in I don't know if they say anything to you if you wear them um without them being like earbuds or something but you know maybe that's something you just check in when you get there and be like hey I have these headphones I'm gonna need them throughout the show and it's fine usually as long as you're not Recording or using light, I don't think they really bother you. Or eating in the theater, so there that would probably be fine, anyways. But yeah, that's that's good to note as well. One thing I also thought about that might be helpful is if there was like a mental health professional like on the premises, because they do have. If there's very intimate sets, they have intimacy coaches, Mm -hmm. and they have like different people to deal with different things like that. And so it might be helpful to have someone who's more familiar in the mental health space to be on set for, for the actors. And I don't know if that's something you've seen in your field at all,
2: or if it's just. So I think it's awesome that more and more professions are becoming open to coordinators of different kinds, especially mental health care. I know it's kind of a bias for me, but I think mental health care tends to be pretty unreported, pretty low representation. Um, And I think it would be awesome if they had that on staff, not only for individuals who may have neurodevelopmental disorders, but also, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it's a really demanding setting um, and having someone, even if it's just to help calm down or help cope with really stressful situations could be really helpful in the theater environment as well.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think they have stuff like that on film and TV for like horror sets, you know, like grief and trauma counselors. And I don't know if I just haven't heard about them or if they're not there, but I don't hear about that a lot in theater. And it's like, well, what if you're doing something that's, you know, traumatic or horror in theater, why don't you have the same opportunities offered to you as you would or film and TV, especially because this is in my, in my opinion, (laughs) this is more demanding because you may shoot a 12-hour day, but then you don't shoot that scene again. This one you're doing every day for a year. It could be like, you know, you never know how long it's going to be that you're doing this show. And so it feels like it would be good to have on hand anyways. But yeah, so that was really helpful. Thank you for telling us about all that. Is there anything else you think that the theater community should know or just people need to know and understand more about autism? We discussed a bit about how the spectrum there is is a spectrum and it does differentiate in a lot of the terms of change and stuff,
2: mm-hmm. but yeah, autism, autism is a spectrum and it's a pretty broad spectrum. The different symptoms can be, you know, you can have a really high presentation of symptoms in a certain area and really low in another, and that changes person by person. I think that oftentimes people who are aware of their diagnosis or are have gotten to a point where they are able to function in in daily life, are able to tell you some of the things that help them to be successful. And I think that that can be one of the biggest takeaways for people who are not as familiar with any disability. Just asking what, what would be helpful for you and seeing if you can make that available.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that also, it's just communication is so important across the board anyways. And so, absolutely. you know, it should absolutely be implemented a lot more than it does across the board, including people who are, you know, neurodivergent or have mental health or disabilities they deal with. So, all right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on again, Dr. Rachel Knight. I hope that, it, that How to Dance in Ohio goes on tour and I hope it comes to your city so that you get a chance to actually see it on stage as well.
2: Yes, I would love that. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. All right. See you around. So that was great. So, Noelle, can you tell everyone where they can find us?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, obviously. But you can find us wherever you social media, your socialness. We're bad at it. You can find us at org, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of those places. And you could just hit us up on our website if that's easier. We link to all of our social media from there too, but it's unseenartists.org. Or if you just want to email us directly because you have a lot of thoughts and feelings just like we do, then you want to hit us up or you want to get involved or you want to tell us about some show that you're doing, or you want to tell us about a story, you know, similar to something that we've been talking about or ideas that you have or anything um, you can always email us directly at info at unseenartists.org. Uh, we are available and we want to hear from you. So please hit us up. Um, you can also find us on Patreon, support us and and help us keep going and and spreading the, uh, the good work that people are doing with shows like How to Dance in Ohio. Absolutely.
0: So on that note, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we are Unseen Artists. Bye-bye.